This is the I Make a Living podcast, brought to you by FreshBooks, the number one cloud accounting solution for small business owners and their teams. I'm your host, Demona Hoffman, and I'm one of you, an entrepreneur who's always looking for new ways to expand my brand. In honor of Women's History Month, we're talking to powerhouse female entrepreneurs. Today's guests, Darbricia and Paulina Lopez, sisters and masterminds behind Gelegetza, one of the top Mexican restaurants in the country, which has expanded into a number of other ventures, including Mama Rabbit Bar at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, a huge podcast for moms called Super Mamas, plus an online store of mole, micheladas, and other food and beverage products. I got a chance to sample it all. How do you say this? La ayuda. La ayuda? Mm-hmm. What is that? It's like a big tostada. It's like a um, it's called homemade tortilla. We put some pork paste on top, black beans, cheese, Oaxacan cheese, cabbage, and meat. So this is like a traditional Oaxacan dish. Traditional Oaxacan dish, yeah. Oh, That's okay. one of the dishes that we are known for. Wonderful. Not only are their businesses inspired by their homeland of Oaxaca, Mexico, this entrepreneurial spirit runs in their blood. Here's Paulina. When we look back at our family tree, our grandparents on both sides are entrepreneurs and different things. Specifically, what we are doing now, um, back in 1994, 1993, 1994 in Mexico, there was a huge economic depression and a lot of people lost everything. So my dad decided to move to the United States and um, he was just going to open a restaurant there because there was a lot of Oaxacan community here. So it came out of this need to serve the community. It wasn't necessarily about like, let me build this, this super successful, highly awarded restaurant. (laughs) It was like, I know there are Oaxacan people, there are Oaxacan people here and they're going to want some well, of the food I think that- he was just trying to survive and he was just trying to figure out what to do. And he was, uh, we, my mom was actually shipping all the stuff from Mexico when we, when we were there. We stayed behind a whole year. My mom and us, we would go to the market, buy the stuff, send it to him. And then he was started selling. So then he saw the necessity. There's a large community of Oaxacan people here in, in, in LA. And, you know, people were asking me for, asking him for more and more stuff. So he was like, oh, well, I should just open a restaurant, right? People are very attached to their food and he saw that space, he opened and, you know, a lot of people told him, you're crazy, you're going to start a Oaxacan restaurant in the middle of Koreatown. Like, it makes no sense, right? You should sell like burgers or burritos or... So he said, no, he tried to stay true to his essence and that's pretty much where it all started, you know, out of the necessity of just surviving and then figuring it out as he went. And I think that's a lot of what we have done, figuring it out as we go. You know, there isn't... We don't really know where we're going to end up, but it's just the whole business and everything that we've done needs to develop out of that, like the necessity that we see around us mm-hmm. and fulfilling that necessity. Bricia, how old were you when you came to the U.S.? And talk to me about like your experiences when you were young, being exposed to the business and being, I imagine you probably grew up in the kitchens at, at the restaurant. I was 10 years old when I moved to Los Angeles from Oaxaca. And I think I was just always exposed to being in the business for yourself. And I think even just subconsciously when you're walking the streets of Oaxaca, there's so many people who are in the business for themselves. There's a woman outside her house selling fresh orange juice every single day. Um, There's another woman selling 
Memelitas is at her home. Um, there are countless people outside selling candy and gum. And I think that this idea of entrepreneurship gets so romanticized nowadays that people forget that there's so many people who have been for a business for themselves for so long. And it's very prominent in, I think, in states like Oaxaca because they're so economically challenge. I don't know if that's the word. <laughs> so a lot of people decide, you know, I think it's better if I go to uh, business for myself than it would be for me to look for a job because there just aren't any jobs to have. Coming here though, when I was 10, same thing. I would always see my parents getting up super early and going to the restaurant, coming back home, me going to the restaurant, sitting there. My dad also had a, a store when we were living back in Oaxaca where he sold his mezcal. So my dad, I think he was very much... I don't know if it's ahead of his time. And my dad was always thinking of new ways of marketing his product. So he had a store and he branded it at the name of the of his mezcal. And he only saw his mezcal with his brand, which has really never happened. It had never happened before in Oaxaca. So he had a little store and Paulina and I would work there. We would tend to the business. But he was thinking about branding way yes, back and, then. Like, right. And it's And it's weird to think about that because back then it wasn't called branding, right? It wasn't there's so many words that have come up now in the business world that people love to hear. <laughs> but I think back there, he wasn't thinking about branding. It was more, how do I differentiate myself from all these other mezcals that are coming up? And how 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 am I going to get people to ask for my mezcal by name if I can't even... If, if, if they don't know what it if is, they don't know what it is. So it has to have a name. It has to have a logo. So that's sort of how he started. Um, and then I think, I think it's just in his spirit. I think it's just things he learned from his dad and from his siblings and how to just differentiate yourself. And I think that's what he was always telling us, what he always told us. How, do, how do we, how do we create a restaurant here in Los Angeles? There's so many restaurants that open and fail. We have to differentiate ourselves. Their dad didn't realize what a tricky business he was working in. Around 60% of new restaurants fail within the first year. And nearly 80% shut before their fifth anniversary. And this is Los Angeles, a city with literally hundreds of Mexican restaurants. So how do you differentiate yourself when your offering is so similar to many of your competitors? The first way to separate yourself is to know who you authentically are. Bricia is her father's daughter to a T. She takes her individuality just as seriously as her father does. I, I know I wanted to do anything other than what my parents were doing. Yeah. Was it like that for you, Bricia? Like, did you aspire to be a part of the business? No, no, I hated the restaurant. <laughs> I, I Forever, I thought it robbed me of my childhood and my teenage, teenage years. years. I, didn't, I didn't even get to go to prom because I got in trouble with my dad at the restaurant. So he didn't let me go to prom and... I, I mean, for God's sake, I don't even know how to ride a bike. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know any sports. I am the least coordinated person because we just had to work. There was no time for extracurricular activities. I look back at my transcripts of high school and I was a C minus student. I mean, it, and I just, I just think back and, and I just ask myself, were my parents even involved in my school at all? And no, but I, it, it wasn't something that I thought of. It wasn't something that I was... I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I, I, my mind, I was a great student. And I think I just sold my parents on the idea that I was a great student because <laughs> I did so well at work that I didn't really care how I did at school. Because my dad always told me that at the end of the day, it was about 
how you did in life. He never really told me that I needed to be an A student. I needed to study. He cared about us going to work, showing up, doing the best we could every single day. And quite frankly, just helping him out and helping Mm -hmm. my mom and him out because they were growing so fast and they were expanding so fast. And there were how many kids at home? There's four. There's four of us. So there's four kids at home and your dad is probably working all the time. Crazy hours (laughs) to to make it work. Both of your parents Mm -hmm. are working crazy hours. So they had a lot on their plate. So what was the turning point, Paulina, from getting that little, that little, that space was that was that a different space in the space? Yes, right now? it's yeah. a so small, were, small, small space. How did how did that evolve from getting that small space to what was the turning point when he was actually able to grow the business and make it his livelihood? Uh, well, we always give credit to Jonathan Gold, the food writer here in Los Angeles. Um, you know, it was a before and after from when he went. He showed up one day at the restaurant and he ate. He didn't tell anybody he was there. He just went, came in, ate. And then the next day it was published in the LA Times. And then all these people started coming. And my, I don't think my dad even read the LA Times back in that time. And what did Jonathan say about the restaurant? I mean, he raved about it, about the food. And he was, you know, he loved it and it was very unique. And then all of a sudden we started getting different demographics of customers. You know, my dad was like, you know, where are all these people coming from? You know, this was only like walking that would show up. And then now we see like people of all sorts of colors and looks and people came in the restaurant. And that was the turning point of the restaurant. That's when, you know, the voice, the people started talking about it more, inviting more people. We started getting busy, you know, that restaurant, he took over, he started selling more. So he took over the business right to his left. And then he took over the business to his right. So he just started outgrowing that business. We had lines out the door since back in the 90s. So then he, um, in... Late 1999, early 2000s, he found the place where we are currently located at on Olympic in Normandy. And uh, it's it is I think it is the oldest Korean building here in L.A. And he went and talked to the owner and we took over that big space because he needed more space for his customers. On the outside, Gelegetsa seemed to be a success, but the restaurant business is relentless Paulina and Bricia's parents eventually got to the point where they were ready to retire and give it all up. But the Lopez kids couldn't let their family business go out like that. No, I don't think he told us expecting that we were going to take over. I think he was just like, OK, guys, like I'm done. He actually told us to get jobs and to figure it out where, where you go. You know, he's like, I'll give you the liberty to decide what you guys want to do from here on. So my sister, my brother and myself, we got together and we first we didn't want to go get jobs <laughs> another somewhere else. And also we didn't want to lose my dad's legacy. So we uh, got together and we proposed to my dad that he sell the business to us. And I think he was very surprised at the fact that we told him to sell it to us. Um, and he right away said yes. <laughs> so we drafted the documents and, you know, he transferred over the business and, you know, he sold it to us. And then I hope you got a good price. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, we got a deal. We got a Nobody deal. Nobody was going to buy that restaurant from him anyway. <laughs> um, and so they moved to Mexico. My parents are now living in Mexico. They're retired. And so then we just started showing up to work the next day or the next morning. And we're like, okay, so what do we do now? And, you know, it was, it was, 
it took us a while for the transfer for for in the transition it was uh you know a rough period because first we realized that our parents were not there and they couldn't tell us anything so we parted a little bit too much for for a little bit um but also you know just you know gaining the trust of the employees and vendors and just i think believing that we were the owners i think that was the hardest thing that people were still asking for my dad or my dad's opinion or whatever my dad would show up they would totally ignore us and just talk to my dad so you're that was young rough. you're pretty young at that point you're you've just inherited the, well you've just bought this business mm -hmm. and you are how old i was um i think i was 30 and your brother 30 33 uh 27 and 24 you're 24. So that's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. I mean, yes, but also we've always worked. I mean, like she said, we started working really young. I was eight. She was five. So we all we've known is this place. We know we know the restaurant. It, it, I think it was just we've always been there. But my dad would make the decisions and my dad would be the one still running the show. And then when we took over, that was what we did. We just like continue at it. How did you... Divide duties. Like I'm a parent. <laughs> my, my kids don't always cooperate with one another. And suddenly now the three of you are partners in this business. Was it really clear who had certain strengths and, and how to delineate the different roles? Yeah. Ever since we started working as children, Bricia would always do the same thing. She's been doing this since she was five years old. And I've been doing this ever since she was eight, since I was like eight years old. I would be the one getting to the mezcal shop, counting the bottles, you know, doing the the what, daily sales. And then she would be going and getting customers, going and talking to people and bringing them to the store. And I think we just grew up with that. You know, I remember my, my dad said, well, you went to college and you had accounting, so you should take over the books. <laughs> you, took was, one, you took one accounting class. I took like one. I'm sure that makes you qualified. And so, you know, it was, I don't think he really, thought about that he was just like okay you're gonna work with the books and Bricia was always working with him closely so I think it was just natural for her to take over his duties and for me to take over my mom's duties because he was like you know just looking at the numbers and counting everything and then I realized I was already paying bills regardless so he was like well you you're doing it so just you know make sure they're doing it correctly and I was like okay so I just really had to learn same thing with school. I mean, yes, I went to college and everything, but taking over the restaurant has been the biggest university ever. And I keep learning every time there's something new. And I just, we just really learn by practice and being there. As Paulina and Bricia kept learning about the business, it kept growing. Today, it's become much more than just a restaurant. After, the, after my siblings and I took over, my brother has always been very in tune with technology uh, and, you know, the idea of selling our products online became something that we wanted to explore and we got very excited about. And by then we were packaging our mole paste. We would sell it in our store and we have a little shop. We've always had a shop at the, a little shop at our restaurants and people would call us from different places saying, oh, can you ship this to me? And we would, you know, in a very unpractical way, <laughs> very non-cost-effective way. You weren't doing it at volume. No, it was like, we oh yeah, I'll do yeah, you this favor. Sure. <laughs> yes. Yes. Or we would get a fax or something, you know, <laughs> uh, 
And then my brother figured out how to open an online store. Uh, we opened a little store.ilovemole.com. My brother and I thought, wait, we can name a store Gelagetza. Number one, that's a huge name. Who's going to be able to spell Gelagetza? So we thought, ooh, why don't we just name it I Love Mole? And that became our website, ilovemole.com. And we all changed our emails of ilovemole.com, which was the best decision we could have done. <laughs> and we started selling our mole pays and our chocolate online. And then we were very popular for our michelada drink at the restaurant, which is basically a beer cocktail made out of different spices and lime and lemon and a concoction that we that we make. One day, some guy walked in and wanted to buy our mix. And I thought it was really weird that he just wanted the mix to go. Uh, so we grabbed an empty bottle of whatever we had in the bar. We filled it up with mix and I gave it to him. And he said, how much do I owe you? And I just made up a very high number. I said something like $20. And he handed me a $20 bill in exchange for this sauce. And I just kind of something just clicked on our head like, huh, this is interesting. Why don't we just fill up other bottles and just put them there in the shop and some maybe someone will buy, buy them. And they flew. So then we listed it online. And then we thought, I don't think Galaguetza Michelada is the way to go for this Michelada. We already have I Love Mole. Why don't we just do I Love Micheladas? I mean, we just, we just <laughs> that I, I love thing. We really, we really hold, hold we held, love a lot of things. We really held on to that. Um, and we just thought, why don't we just name it I Love Micheladas? And we just, I Love Micheladas.com. And that could just be the name of the brand. So uh, I think I, I personally love branding. I love design. I love everything that has to do with packaging and, you know, messaging and all, and all those things that people love nowadays. And we know why I, I remember my brother and I took a road trip up North and we just started, we just kind of, kind of figured out in our brains, like, okay, let's just go all in on this Michelada thing. I think that this could be really huge for us, you know, 10, 15 years from now. So we, created an entire new brand. It's called I Love Micheladas. He is really spearheading it today. And then that just kind of became its own business. It's on website, its own sort of thing, its own life, really. And then uh, four years ago, I became mom. Uh, four and a half years ago, my sister had already two children. And the idea of starting a podcast just sounded pretty fun and exciting in a way that we could just explore our mommyhood without really having to put the burden on our friends. I was, my, <laughs> uh, well, I, you know, I was the first of my friends to have children and I don't think anybody wanted to hear about my bleeding boob. Like I don't <laughs> think it was of anyone's interest. So we just thought, why don't we start a podcast? And, you know, I was really, I guess, I, I guess if you think about it back then, completely off brand to do something like that, because we were in the food world and we were just going to go somewhere completely different, which was the mom space. Um, and, but we did. And within the first episodes, we started putting Michelada commercials on yeah. the breaks or we put mole commercials on the break just to, I, guess, I think, make ourselves feel good about what we were doing uh, without making it seem like... They were like, sponsors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, well, they, and I think a lot of people maybe smart. thought that we did have sponsors and then they realized <laughs> that that was really our businesses. And then we just grew with the community. Um, and, I, and I think as, as time went by, I just realized, you know, at the end of the day, our core business is community, culture, and family. And that really is what it all comes down to. The micheladas is all about building community around the michelada lifestyle. 
Super Mamas is all about community and family building. And the restaurant really ties everything together. It's community, it's culture, it's family, it's food. So I think that even though they seem so different, at the end of the day, it's all really the same. On the surface, these ventures seem separate. But when you step back and look at the through line of community, culture, and family, that mission statement drives everything they've done so far. Plus, it can help steer them towards new ventures in the future that are still authentic to the original mission of Gelegetza. If you were to name three words that sum up your complete brand identity, what would they be? Let's just talk logistics, because uh, you just told me about micheladas, mole, supermamas, Gelegetza, and... The book. You also have a, <laughs> have a, a Oaxacan cookbook. That's newly released. Yes. Paulina, how do you have time for all this? And you have a family. Yeah, I have three children. Um, with a lot of help, with an amazing team and with a lot of great people that we that work with us every day. It's just about team building and just you know finding people that are willing to work with us and work towards the vision. There's a whole lot of people behind all of this. It's not just us. And, you know, a lot of the times we take the credit, but it's a lot of people behind us that work with us every day to achieve our dreams. Do you have people that have been with the restaurant since your parents yes. ran it? Mm-hmm. I have I have people that have been there. I have, have We still have one vendor that's been with mm-hmm. us since we opened Galagetza. Um, and we we have a lot of people that have worked there for 15 years, 18 years. We have a lot of people that have been there for a while. And, you know, it's just it's just about them. It's all about them and the people that, you know, that work, that help us. But I know it's not, it's not easy to make everybody happy and to make <laughs> yourself happy. And as the business grew and as your family grew, I imagine there must have been some moments where you're like, I don't know if I can do this. A lot of the times. A lot of the times. <laughs> Any that, that come to mind as like defining moments in uh, deciding whether to double down or back out or what, or like even just oh, figuring um, out where you needed to step back and take care of yourself or take care of your family. I don't think there hasn't been a time where I am. I really thought I'm quitting. There, ha- There's no... That has never crossed my mind. I'm like, oh, that's it. I'm done. I always say that. I always joke about like picking up my kids and moving to another to Oaxaca and leaving off the land. But you should take it. the kids with you. My fantasies. <laughs> I'm like, I- I'm by myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always think like I'm gonna move to Oaxaca when I, you know. Same thing as my parents. I'll 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 retire and I move and I'm gonna build a house and my husband and I are gonna be there. But no, I don't think I've. There's been any times where I'm I'm thinking like I'm done. Um, there's been a lot of challenges through the years and, you know, there's challenges every day, but, um, I think I've, I've talking about self-care. That's one thing that I have implemented into my life a lot because I feel like maybe the times where I had that, I was thinking about quitting or thinking about even thinking about quitting. It's those times where I'm not taking care of myself first. And then I'm so overwhelmed by everything that I just can't see the end of it. But because in the past, I'm going to say like year, year and a half, I've really been investing on my being, on myself. Um, I feel like this is just one more thing that I have to go through and it'll be fine. And then, you know, something new always happens and something different always happens. And everything, every time we learn a lot from all the challenges and then next time something like that comes, I'm already, I'm already 
either prepared or I, I know what to do or not being scared because I think a lot of the a lot of the times we get we get phone calls from other entrepreneurs that are freaking out about things that happen to them and it's everything that can happen to us already has so you know I mean hopefully but a lot of the big things that happen they already happen so we already know how business is and a lot of those things a lot of the challenges are just are just part of business you know my old my sister always told me that and I because I am very like I always freak out and then she always tells me well that's just the cost of doing business in California and I'm like okay fine so but you know you have each other I mean that must be that must be some comfort that and you're not just in business with a partner you're in business with your siblings Mm-hmm. How how is that for you? You you have another venture that you've started. You have a bar in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. um, and that one is that your that's your own venture. Right? Yeah, that was a partnership with Park MGM mm-hmm. um, that I was uh, working with them. They're the sole operators, which is amazing because it's like the best deal I could have asked for. Um, operating a business is really really difficult, um, and there's they've been like the most incredible partner, and I've learned so much from them. But having them operated has been really, really great for me because it doesn't take as much time away from my own businesses with my family, which is the restaurant, Superamas and, and the Micheladas. So I just have to say the name. It's Mama Rabbit. Mama Rabbit, yes. At uh, the Park MGM. You know, Park MGM wanted to do a mezcal and tequila bar um, and they were figuring out how to execute it or what to do or where what direction to go with to go with. And they came across my name and you know, the work that we I've been doing. And they reached out to me. We talked it over. And I heard the New Yorker called you the queen of Mescal. <laughs> yes, so they did. you were the one to go to. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so I, you know, we just started working on the creative part of, of, and design part of, of the bar and which turned into, you know, curating the Mescal list, uh, you know, I named the bar, things like that working with artisans in Oaxaca to bring real, real artifacts that, that were made by women down there with the traditional black clay, a beautiful mantle that was, you know, carved by local artisans and artists. So it just, uh, all these beautiful things to make sure that something that could be as traditional like mezcal could translate into something as big as Vegas. So it was a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. And, um, you know, it's, it's still kind of a little bit, insane to think that, you know, we have our footprint in such a important part of the world. I always think Vegas is very important. And and, and <laughs> shaping in your business yeah, especially. Well, also in shaping and shaping what people in shaping nightlife, I think across across the world for sure. Mm-hmm. You brought up um a really interesting point about culture and infusing the culture into into the restaurant and making it authentic. And I think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with, especially people who are, you know, immigrants and and came here with their culture, but need to grow their audience to people outside of their culture. How much do you think about as you're as you're growing the business, how much do you think about like authenticity and making sure that it really feels true to to the Oaxacan history and culture that you brought with you? Well, you know, I think, for example, I always think about, I always think about what would someone like me like? And I think that's how I make my decisions surrounding our businesses. And what does me look like? And me looks like, 
you know, an indigenous girl who lives in Los Angeles that is exposed to many things. And I think that that's the beauty about living in this country and living especially in L.A., Yes, we have very much our culture in the forefront of everything because that's really who we are inside. But we also like other things. Like I, you know, I like to listen to other music other than Mexican music. You know, I, I, I'm not pigeonholed to one thing. You know, we're multicultural children. Uh, and even though we were born and raised in Oaxaca, we moved here in LA and, you know, I've lived in LA longer than I lived anywhere else in my life. So what does that mean really being from LA? It just means being, I think, multicultural. It means being exposed to not just different Mexicans, Mexican culture, but it means being exposed to several cultures, right? Um, even not just different types of Mexican culture, because even within Mexican culture, there's so many cultures from, from Yucatan, from Puebla, from Guadalajara to Oaxaca, and I mean, for I've never even had machaca until I came to the U.S. And you know, machaca is a very machaca is a, a very traditional northern dish of Mexico. And I never even had it. Even, I lived in Mexico, and I never had it just because when you're in Oaxaca, you don't eat northern food, and when you're in the north part of Mexico, you don't eat southern food. So just being exposed to those different cultures, I think, shapes who we are. And I think that's what we serve at the restaurant. I think when you walk into our restaurant, that really translates very well. I mean, we are housed in a Korean building um, in the middle of Koreatown serving traditional Oaxacan food. Uh, and I don't think it gets more L.A. than that. And you walk in there and you see the diversity of our clientele from everything, from age to ethnicity. And, and then you get to and then you get it. Oh, yeah, I'm in Los Angeles. And it couldn't I don't think this restaurant could be what it is today anywhere else in the world because of where we are. And I think that, you know, that really is how we how we position ourselves and how we make our decisions is, well, we don't have to be one thing because I'm not one thing, you know? I'm a combination of so many different experiences that I've had here in Los Angeles. And if you look at, you know, our messaging through the Micheladas, through the Galaguetza, even through my, through my Instagram, also I also have a blog where I write recipes. It's just me. And I think if there's one me, I think there's probably thousands and thousands of people that can probably relate to me um, or my sister or my brother um, and our family. So I think that's really how we how we really attack those questions of who do we cater to? Yeah. And uh, the three of us are so completely different. Uh, very, very different. We grew up in the same household, but very different. So I think each one of us brings, brings a different component. Um, I came here when I was the, the oldest of the three of us. So for me, my I'm still very, very much more attached to my Mexicanness, to my Oaxacanness. I still in my house we still listen to more of the Mexican music. We still eat the most Mexican, you know, like the way that I grew up eating. And my kids are exposed to more of that. You know, my kids go to a bilingual school, all of that. I'm I'm more. So we each have different perspectives. And I think that's what helps always, you know, and my brother is very different. My brother is very like facts and, you know, science and, you know, that's not the truth. Let me bring out the dictionary. So we each bring like different things to the table. And I think that's what really has really helped us as well. You brought up your kids. Uh, they're spending a lot of time, I know, in the restaurant as yeah. well. What's your hope for them? Do you want to see this this business passed on to them? Um, I don't, I mean, if they want to, yes, you know, Krista, my, my oldest daughter, she's eight. She always 
tells me, you know, when I run Galagetza, I'm going to eat in frijoladas every day. Or when I'm the boss at Galagetza, you know, and, and she always tells me, I want to do what you do, mommy. I don't even know what she thinks she knows what that means, you know, but I, I mean, I think parents, we always live through our children. You know, we always want them to do whatever we want, but it really depends. You know, it could be, could be that they want to do this. You know, she's only eight. She says she wants to, but I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't, I, I haven't really thought about that. You but. don't want them to miss prom, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do want them to be involved and know about work ethic, though. I do. I feel like that's something important. I think that's one of the things that I always, you know, at the moment we didn't see it like that. And I always like, oh, my that's the worst. He never lets me do anything. But I think I really thank him for now, for that now. And I want my kids to know that you don't get things for free, that you have to work for them. You know, we used to work for everything so that you just don't get things handed to you because I feel that a lot of us parents that a lot of parents that come from scarcity, they come here, they work, and then we want to give everything to our children. And then when they grow up, they think that they just deserve everything. And I, I want, I don't, I don't, that's my only thing. I want them to know that you have to work hard to get what you want. Mm -hmm. What about for you? I, man, I don't know. It's, I think like Paulina said, I think it's just about allowing them to learn the value of just stuff, period. Um, you know, it's, it's different when you grow up the child of, of an immigrant, right? I mean, we're not even first generation Americans. We weren't even born here. My child's the first generation. And I grew up seeing my parents' actual struggle every day, waking up, going to work. Um, and even though I didn't see it back then as a child, I didn't think they were struggling. I never thought I was you know, I was my, I'd never even, I never knew my parents were struggling to make ends meet. I didn't, I was oblivious. I was having fun. I was a kid. I was playing. I was hanging out with my siblings. I had friends. I never, my mom never told me we can have this because we're poor or anything like that. Right. It's, you know, I was just happy and I grew up going to the restaurant, not knowing the issues my parents were having, economic issues my parents were having. And I think when we get into adults, we forget that kids just want to be loved and kids just want to have fun. And I think so much we just and we impose our feelings to our children. On So for me, I just want to make sure I give my son love and understanding as he grows up. And I want him to learn to trust me or gain his trust, really, so he can be open and tell me what he thinks, be truthful to my child, no, not lie to my child, because I think also... A lot of parents, you know, my my parents lied to me all the time, <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. you know, and I think I just want to make sure that I just, I, I just combine trust. He, he grows up to be his, uh, himself and um, a loving, kind person and also know how blessed he is, how privileged he is to live in this country, how privileged he is to have two parents that have careers um, and not many people have that. So I just want him to be aware of those things. Um, you know, and people always ask us those questions just because we went to the family business and they just, you know, are you polishing your children to take over the business? Like my child is four years old. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what kind of kindergarten to send them to, you know, I'm, I, you know, I don't know if I'm thinking that far ahead as, but again, I just want to make sure that he knows the privilege that he stands on. And I think for me, that's, that's number one. Mm-hmm. As you are thinking ahead <laughs> for the business, 
maybe you're not thinking about having your kids run the business, <laughs> but I imagine you you project out. I know you do vision board workshops yeah. with the Super Mamas uh, community. How do you, what do you see for Gilegetza, for all of the different brands in the coming, say, five or 10 years? Yeah. And how do you, how are you positioning yourself to get there? Yeah, I think what happens with family businesses also, I think, and I see it on, on other family businesses that have had multiple generations. I think that at some point it stops being about family and it becomes, yes, family, if you are able to almost like test your way in there in a way. I think like, for example, I think the only reason why our family business, it's the way we are is because we made the decision to take over it, right? And my dad handing over the reins. But I think what happens, and that happens like from first to second, but from second to third, it's a, it's, it's a bigger growth. And you need people who have had men, experience, professionals, um, which actually, which can be like, you know, which is a, a very key into growing a family business, bringing people who are outside of the family with professional in degrees with professional experience and to helping you take it to the next level, you know, and that may not be family. Um, and I know, for example, uh, I look so much up to the Northgate family who have, my God, hundreds of stores throughout California, very corporate. And the, and I mean, there were 13 siblings. <laughs> so you imagine how many it's a big grand, workforce, great <laughs> grandchildren, <laughs> and they have a role. You know, you can't come into the business unless you have some sort of degree and you have to start from the bottom. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't start from the bottom, you're not, you, you can't just think that you're going to be an executive right away just mm. because you have the last name. So I think that it really would be being open to saying maybe like it's time to like be outside of the family and allowing someone else to come in and tell us how we can improve and how we can actually get to that other level how can we you know level up into that into 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 that realm of business when of course it's always about people who know what's going on but you know you can't be a ceo a cfo a cmo all at the same time you know you need to have other people who have experience and and be open to other people's opinions so i think you know for five years i it would just be growth you know, hopefully, <laughs> mm -hmm. if the economy continues to do well. Just keep learning. Okay. I think for me personally, I want to challenge myself to go back to school and get in an, a, a, a formal degree <laughs> <laughs> on uh, what, you know, the one class that my dad feeds off of. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but you're know, already doing it. You're already doing yeah, it. Yeah, but, you know, still, I think we just always learning. And I, I, I a five-year period, I want to, I just want to, I want to do that for myself um, as, you know, just that, but also same thing as my sister was saying, just growing what we already have. And, you know, a lot of the ideas that we, that we have come up with, um, our ideas are just spur of the moment. Uh, I don't think we're like, well, in five years, we're going to do this. It was just like, oh, did you just see what happened? I think we should do that. And then we just do. Um, I always say like, uh, Fernando and I are the, sometimes have had the ideas, but the one that executes them are, is Bercia. She's always, I think that's why we make a, a good team, uh, the Michelada, or even the Super Mamas. You know, I, I I had the idea, but she was like, okay. And then so she won, she Googled it. She was like, we need to buy a mic, we need to do it. And then we just did it. <laughs> so I think, you know, a lot of the, th the times and a lot of the things are just like that, things that were, um, each one of us has their role, each one of us knows. And, you know, we know that, um, 
we have other the other person to either push us and keep us on check, but also be there for us. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of similar to Super Mamas, we like to end uh, each episode with some tips or tools. Okay. So if you could share with me a tip or a tool that makes your life as an entrepreneur more livable. Something that has helped me across the board from work, home, communicating with Jen and my siblings, uh, it's the our calendars, you know, just syncing all of our calendars. I have five different calendars. I have Reese's calendar on my calendar. I have Fernando's calendar. I have the business calendar. I have the family calendar. I have my husband's calendar. But I think that's the only way that we know because sometimes people approach me or approach my sister, or approach my brother. And the only way to know is like, I need to know what everybody's doing so I can see if we're available or, you know, and it's just the, the best way to communicate also with my team and the restaurant. What about you, Patricia? Uh, you know, I think that this year I've been really just leaning into my notes a lot. Um, the, just the notes app on my, on my iPhone. I mean, I have an iPhone oh, yeah. and I use the notes app for everything. I mean, I think my entire life is in notes and (laughs) because everyone that works with me is also an iPhone, I can easily share the notes with people. And that really is where I communicate that that's, I mean, I can, and and it's so easy to share, uh, to search for anything. So I think everyone uses Evernote. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but I, I think it's my own version of Evernote. It's just on my, on my notes. I can add pictures. I can add PDFs. I can add, I could, you know, make sketches. It's just a note. Yeah. (laughs) It's amazing how we sometimes overcomplicate things. Often the simplest tool and approach is the one that gets the job done and allows us to keep innovating. Here's a summary of what Paulina and Prisia shared today. Learn from those who came before you. Seeing their parents' and grandparents' triumphs and failures in business allowed them to carve a successful new path. Have a mission statement that defines your brand and gives you an umbrella that holds different elements of your business together. Work with people who have complementary skills to yours. Perhaps they aren't your actual siblings, but a business partnership can sometimes feel that close. Partnerships usually work best when you fill different roles. Listen to your customers. They will tell you what they want to buy. Be authentic and share your culture with the world. You can find Gelagetza Restaurant and their online retail store at ilovemole.com. Get your hands on this cookbook, Oaxaca Home Cooking from the Heart of Mexico. And if you find yourself in Las Vegas, stop by Mama Rabbit for some tequila or mezcal. And do give the Super Mamas podcast a listen. Do you know about FreshBooks, the number one cloud accounting solution for small business owners and their teams? Let FreshBooks show you how to save hours on accounting paperwork and get your finances organized. Use our special link, freshbooks.com slash I-M-A-L, to receive an exclusive offer just for our podcast listeners. freshbooks.com slash I-M-A-L, short for I Make a Living. Our audio engineer and composer is James Morris. Producing and direction comes from Paco Erzmendi. And I'm Demona Hoffman, producer and host of I Make a Living. You can see behind-the-scenes photos at Demona Hoffman on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or learn more about my dating coaching business at DemonaHoffman.com. Then you can come meet me and the team at an I Make a Living live event. Bricia, who you heard on this episode, was a speaker at our most recent LA event. 
You never know who you might meet at our next one. So go to imakealiving.com to see when we'll be in a city near you. And remember to bring authenticity to everything you do because it's your business. See you next week.